podcast ain't played nobody. Uh, towing the line edition. We've got to somehow find the 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 nougat in the middle, Bill, of embracing and slightly affirming the outrage that comes with the first college football playoff <laughs> ranking, but then also not. I don't really want to empower the outrage column factory because I think by the time I went to bed Monday night, you had at least you had twelve to. 15 stodgy dying newspaper columnist types who were calling it a reality TV show and all this other business. Um, it is, but half of those people used to work for ESPN, so what do they expect? Okay, so let's just jump right to it, Bill. Okay. Texas A&M and Washington, four and five. <laughs> give, me a, give me a one to ten on your incredulity scale, because I think you have this pretty low. So, well, I mean, I, I think everything should be on a one to ten scale. Nothing should be more than at about four. Uh, the first playoff rankings of the of the year. But, Real quick, I'm just going to jump in like your hype man on this. It's November first. Okay, keep going. Yes, um, but as anybody who was on Twitter last night saw, uh, it, it's a four for me, or whatever that max is. It's that because I think it's just uh, I, I think it's enforcing a bunch of really bad tendencies when it comes to. Uh, what the committee's looking at at this time. And, you know, I, I, my line yes, my line last night, uh, I stick with it now. On Sundays and Mondays, I produce rankings that are impersonal, that have no emotion, and, and they're not going to change if, uh, you, you, you know, if I'm convinced to change them. Um, and I get yelled at, you know, watch the game nerd. And then on Tuesday, the playoff rankings get uh, released, and I see the what's Kirby Hokut? Is he the I think the the spokesperson now? He is the um, chair. That would be the athletic director of the Texas Tech Technical Institute in Lubbock. And he's saying things like, "We don't look at margin of victory," um, which is absolute bloody insanity, and it makes me scream things like, "Watch the games," um, because Nerd. if you do not, that's right. If you do not. If all you're looking at is who beat whom, that's a spreadsheet, and you don't need to watch the games anymore. Uh, you actually have to watch the games and look at things that can actually be indicators of quality besides Team A beat Team B. Because weird crap happens in a football game, and sometimes Team A isn't automatically better than Team B just because they won that day. Um, and But, you know, so there's an aspect... So I, I, I've tweeted beforehand, I kind of pigeonholed myself into kind of going on a rant last night because I said the one thing that will annoy me today is if uh, A&M is four over Washington. Everything else is whatever. Although I didn't really expect Louisville to be seventh. I probably should have, but I didn't. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but so then, then once it actually happened, I kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I fed myself and I had to, I had to go do it. Uh, I had to rant a little bit. But I, I think, you know, what... The, the people who do computer rating stuff and actually try to go a little deeper than a spreadsheet of team A, B, team B. Um, they're looking at ways to actually measure quality so that we don't have to say we can only judge these three teams because they've played somebody or whatever. You can actually, because what, 2013, Florida State ain't played nobody. Uh, yeah, sure, whatever. They have good opponent-adjusted ratings, but they haven't played nobody. And then they played somebody, they were exactly the same team and they won those games too. Um, Podcast title! That's right. Um, man, that was... There's Told you, I'm your hype man. No, you just have to keep going. You don't hear the hype man. The audience does. Keep going. <laughs> that was buzzing in my ears. Um, 
But, you know, that's the whole joke about ain't played nobody is like nobody's played nobody and then they have. And most of the time they're the same team. If you're looking at pretty good opponent, uh, you know, computer ratings, opponent adjusted ratings, they're usually the same person then, uh, same team then. You can figure out quality without specifically saying, well, until they've played Alabama, I don't know anything about them. They uh, are who we thought they were. Keep going. And and then the, on the on the flip side of that, when you do play a lot of good teams and you lose those games, you suck. Uh, Ole Miss. Yes. And so it's a really it's a really fun game of, of basically I will I will take a dump on every single team in the country. Just give me uh, tell me who to take a dump on and I'll do it. Um, but no, I mean, A&M is a good team. A&M should not be specifically punished because they played Alabama. I mean, that's the reason they have a loss right now. Um, if Washington played Alabama, they'd probably have a loss, too, especially in Tuscaloosa. But that's not why I was annoyed by it. I was annoyed by it because if you look at any rating or if you just watch the games yourself uh, and you watch Trevor Knight throwing versus Jake Browning throwing, if you watch what, uh, you know, teams in that like 30 to 60 range like Stanford and Oregon, if you watch what Washington did to them, you understand this is a team with a massive ceiling. Uh, and at this point, when you've only played seven, eight, nine games, whatever, uh, we're, that's we kind of have we're supposed to, we need to be leaning on that too. Obviously, Washington struggled against Arizona in that weird Pac-12 after dark game. Obviously, you know they they only eased by Utah with with help from the punt return. Uh, I mean, that's uh, you know according to the playoff committee, a very good win because uh, Utah was 16th or something. But I I just I, I there's no rationale for me to put Washington ahead of A&M. You look at any of the computer ratings, they all have Washington ahead of A&M, perhaps by a large amount. And that's that jives with what my eyeballs have seen. And that frustrates me. Bill will take a dump on anything you want. Sorry, that was just you were that was like four sentences ago. Bill, let's look at the schedule real fast and then I'm going to read you something. OK. Um, now we've been told for three years about, uh, scheduling intent. That's a fun little thing that I have to hear 6,000 times every Uh. July when I go to media, media events. Okay. I personally like, like this BS concept because it encourages fun games for us to watch. It increases the quality of the product. Um, but it doesn't really mean anything because Washington did exactly what they were told to do in a nine game schedule. Nine nine game format for conference scheduling. They scheduled one Power Five opponent in Rutgers years back without any knowledge of what Rutgers, when Rutgers was be. decent. Right, they could have like could be a seven and five Rutgers. Probably not going to be a ten and two Rutgers, but didn't know it was going to be first year new head coach, complete re- rebuild ass Rutgers. Okay, although there's always little chunks of ass in Rutgers. Uh, they scheduled an FCS opponent in Portland State and drubbed them, which they're allowed to do. And then they scheduled a mid-major in Idaho. Crappy mid-major, but it counts. That's They didn't do anything wrong. So they beat Rutgers, they beat Idaho, they beat Portland State. This is their schedule up until this point. They have the weird game that you spoke of at Arizona. They dismantled, embarrassed, and just created a referendum on on Stanford. Okay. And that changed that, – that was their coming out party, right? It was a Friday night game. It was on ESPN. That was when maybe not the earliest tip of the trendsetters, but like – I mean a lot of us have been anointing Washington national championship caliber since like March, but that was it. Then they basically do the exact same thing to Oregon. They put 70 on Oregon, which is not that hard, but they have bye week. They beat the crap out of Oregon State, and then they win a quality game at Utah. Is that not enough? 
What am I missing all, here? I mean, the only the only question mark there is that Arizona, obviously. But no, I mean that's yes. and the other thing is Stanford and Oregon. Not not you know, first of all, Washington's basically being punished for Stanford and Oregon not being Stanford and Oregon, which is kind of a nice like roundabout revenge for Oregon. <laughs> but they're still top fifty teams, according to a lot of measures. Top sixty by most, I would say. And they beat them 114 to 27. Okay, and, I want to read you something real fast. Okay. Um, a month ago, I was, or I don't know, a month ago, whatever. Uh, I was out at the Pac-12. I had an interview with Larry Scott. So this first part is me asking the question. I said to my pal Larry, uh, we talked about women's tennis, we did not. Uh, there wasn't really a, a knee-jerk reaction when the Pac-12 was left out of the playoff, at least compared to what happened uh, in the Big 12 the season prior. What was your approach to taking the long view? That's not how I said it, but that's how I'm reading it. Larry says, as a league, we're very confident in who we are. Moreover, we're confident that we're going to get the benefit of the doubt among teams with similar records because of our strength of schedule. No other conference schedules like we do. Nine conference games and a championship game, plus very strong non-conference matchups. By the way, he said that before the Big 12 announced their stupid, stupid plan. (laughs) Uh, So the Pac-12 champion has the hardest road to the playoff. But if we have records similar to others... We believe that the College Football Selection Committee is going to give Pac-12 teams the benefit of the doubt because it's worked out that way in the past. We're quietly, excuse me, we are quietly confident in this fact. We think we have the right model for the college football playoff, whether we're in every year or not. This past year, and he's referring to last season, the bottom line was that Stanford didn't have a similar record. They had two losses. Okay, end quote. Well, I'm not trying to label this. I'm not trying to attach this as outrage yet. It is November the 1st, okay? This is the remaining schedule for for one Washington Huskies, the Washington Huskies. They're at Cal this weekend. They're playing Southern California. They are about, that's at home in Seattle. Also at home in Seattle is Arizona State. They close the year in what could be a really, really good Apple Cup on Black Friday, and we assume now they will be representing the North in the Pac-12 championship game in the Burbs in, uh, in uh, uh, Santa Clara, just south of San Francisco. And that's, on, that's a Friday night game. So there's some showcase element to that. They're going to be fine if they go undefeated, right? Well, they're going to be fine if they go undefeated, most likely. Uh, because, A, the vaunted conference title bump that we always hear about, which uh, is a completely different stupid thing. But, Does that um, depend on who they bump against? Uh, potentially, although, I mean, the thing here too, is that A&M, well, A, A&M's probably going to lose again. Um, and B, even if they don't, uh, they probably, you know, Alabama will still probably win the West. Um, and so no matter what, A&M will not get a conference title bump, even at 11 and one. And therefore, poof, Washington will be 13 and 0 and in. That's, you know, that's fine. Um, uh, plus, A&M is probably going to lose again. So you got both real, real, Okay, yeah, on that note, real fast, real fast. Yeah, uh, Texas A&M. Uh, this weekend at Mississippi State, at home uh, next week against Ole Miss, uh, UTSA, and LSU. So for my numbers... So maybe not. <laughs> well, I mean, so, my numbers, I've got 80% beating L- uh, Mississippi State, 59% beating Ole Miss, and 96% beating UTSA, and 37% beating LSU. So, I mean, that's... You know, uh, there's a less than one in three chance they beat both Ole Miss and LSU. Now they're bo- they are both at home, and Ole Miss. I mean, we we'll see how long they can keep a decent level of play up while losing. Usually, that has a that takes a toll. And I mean, hell, maybe LSU gets whomped by Alabama again and then folds again like they did last year. But that's still 
again, even if they win out, they probably still don't win the West uh, because Alabama is still in a very good position there. And I, I you know, for A and M to have a chance, then a- Alabama needs to what? I guess lose. I mean, they could obviously lose to both LSU and Auburn. That'd be fine. Uh, and then, or, or they lose at least, or at least they lose to Auburn, and Auburn wins out. So there's like a three-way seven and one tie, and somehow A and M gets the tie break there. I'm not completely sure about that, but um, that's still not bloody likely. <laughs> so, um, is it better for? Is it is it better for? I can tell you what I think in terms of human perception and the political side of this, but do you, I mean? Do you think that it's better if they see Utah again or if they see Colorado or USC? Uh, I would say on average they would handle Utah just fine. Um, you know, obviously no, 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 no. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the stupid boost. Oh, from uh, – I mean, there's probably still some sort of stupid – well, the problem is there's some little stupid thing about, you know, if they beat USC twice, that'll probably help. The problem is they play USC. If they beat USC, USC's two losses right. by Colorado, so they're not, probably not going to play USC. Um, I think the best answer here is, Bill, I think we need America's team to come save the day. Yeah, I mean, beating a 10-2 and two Colorado team that closed well, whooped UCLA – what is it, like UCLA, Arizona, um, Utah – I don't remember if there's another one in there or not. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if they want to do that, that's, that, that, that certainly wouldn't reflect poorly. That's pretty damn sure. Um, if, you, if you beat USC again, you're beating a team with at least four losses. Right. If you beat Utah again, you're beating a team you've already beaten. If you beat Colorado, that's the best case scenario in that potentially you have a one-loss conference team, two losses overall, and they got smoked by, what, Michigan? Right. So <laughs> – and even that was, yeah, you know, they, they, yeah, but their quarterback was hurt, blah, blah, blah. Thing. So, that, the yeah, problem, there's a good the problem with that is The problem with that is, and I'm only bringing this up because I do believe it will infect the mindset of this committee, the optics on that suck. They just do. I just feel like I told someone that Santa, like Santa Claus wasn't real because I just kind of took, took a bill dump on the perception of Colorado, America's team that we love so much. But it's true. I do think that these – look – the Big 12 is only inherently stupid to a degree, okay? Some of that is environmental, nature and nurture, all right? They don't get that stupid just, just on genetics alone. What I'm saying is there's a lot of dumb ideas that permeate throughout college football, and when it comes to conference title games, marquee, has all, that, that's the idea that's thrown around, right? Ask an ACC fan. Remember how many years in a row we were supposed to see Florida State and Miami? I don't know if a Colorado game... I mean, surely, Bill, if they go undefeated and Texas Texas A&M runs the table, surely this isn't going to be an issue, right, Bill? I mean, that's the thing. Like, we, we, again, it's it's the first week of this. A lot of things will happen. Even if if A&M wins out, the three teams above A&M probably won't. I mean, the odds say there's a very good chance of it, but the odds of all three of them winning out, this is still college football and – you know, we're just kind of waiting for silliness to kind of take over, at least briefly. So, Looking at you, Clemson. Looking at you. Right. So, you know, Clemson, South Carolina. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if you're fifth in the opening rankings and you win out, I mean, Oklahoma was 15th last year at this point. And so, uh, you know, they, there's time here and weird things are going to happen. If they keep winning their games, they're fine. I just, like I said, the thing that irked me was that it's still – it proves this whole thing about uh, scheduling intent and, you know, somehow A&M, 
somehow a and okay in the schedule and intent department, even though they, they scheduled Prayer View A&M and, um, uh, like what? Someone bad. Uh, there, so I covered for you. Are you talking about A&M schedule? Uh, yeah, I'm pulling it up now. I just blanked on UTSA, Prairie View A&M, UCLA, and New Mexico State. Right. And, I mean, New Mexico State is notoriously bad. Prairie View uh, is, you know, kind of resilient of late, but they're still, prayer, they're still a very low-ranking FCS team on average, and UTSA has never been particularly good. So, basically, they're just all— in case you're intent or whatever was UCLA at home, which turns out wasn't an amazing game and they barely won it. So why did they get credit for that? Just in case someone's in a vacuum right now or driving. Chances are, if you're in a vacuum, you're probably not getting good at cell reception, but uh, if you don't have access to the schedule, since I just read them off, Texas A&M's superior resume is a touchdown win over UCLA at home. Prairie View A&M. Winning twenty nine to sixteen at Auburn, which that game went from the Anxiety Bowl to Stevens full of Stevens full of dumps bowl. Ha ha ha! Uh, Forty five to twenty four over Arkansas. They beat South Carolina in Columbia twenty four yep. to thirteen, and they took they beat Tennessee in two overtimes after squandering a lead. Uh, then they lost coming off the bye to Alabama thirty three to fourteen, as one does. That's fairly respectable. Um, and then a homecoming game against so, New Mexico State that they won by 42 points. So, so the Auburn, yeah, the Auburn no, win is Washington. legitimately impressive. But the rest of the wins are just fine. Like, what you know, at this point, Arkansas and Tennessee, the shines come off of them to a certain degree. So those were, you know, beating Arkansas. Where is, this, where is, the, where is the fist on the table? Like, where is the dominant? Like, where, where is well, the argument Auburn. here? I don't. I don't even understand what you're talking. about. I mean, about Ad, Auburn is impressive, and and maybe there was like a legitimate kind of hey, they played Alabama and nobody else has, so let's overlook that or let's let's not weigh that too heavily. And that's fine, but they still, other than Alabama, I mean, like I said, Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee is is at, so so we're so we're arguing at all uh, at Auburn Which, over at Utah. That's a point in A and M's favor because Auburn is better than Utah, quite a bit better than Utah. So I'm I'm okay with that being a point in their favor. My point is that. The rest of the year, they have not been as impressive as Washington. Washington has been really, really impressive. And, uh, you know, A&M's been good. A&M's, this has been a lovely season for A&M. And so I kind of, and I, I, feel, I feel bad. I have a lot of A&M friends at this point. And so, I, I, you know, they, they, they're only 16th in my rankings, but I was going to be fine with them being like top seven because, I mean, they're 7-1 in the SEC. Of course they were going to be top seven. Fourth is a joke. And it just is. And, and so... It'll take care of itself, and that's fine. But I hate when the committee messes around like this. This was easy for them. This this week, I mean, we I started getting paranoid on Sunday. We were walking through like, oh, this is pretty easy. Just you know, is it Michigan Clemson two three? Is it Louisville uh, Ohio State five six? Is it easy? Yeah, no. Super when I was whispering, I was I was whispering yeah. in my hotel lobby, and that, that all seemed very logical. And then as soon as I uploaded that, I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> nothing's that easy. They're going to screw around, and what are they going to screw around with? And then I started seeing the whole. Uh, Whatever the um, I, I, uh, I'm uh, I'm blanking on the name of it now. Strength of record uh, that ESPN promotes, which is like you know wh- how what percentage of teams would be able to match this record with this schedule? Da 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 da. A uh, and M's and Washingtons were basically the same, which I guess was saying. Bill hates those. By the way, folks, uh, if you're new to this podcast, Bill hates. hates no no no. I hate uh, a couple of them. I don't mind strength of record, but strength has to still matter more. 
Like that's I I mean I kind of I understand. Well, there's another maxim. That's you always come up with these maxims. I'm going to make you write a book with me. I, I've already kind of beaten that one into the ground, though. I said that on Twitter uh, last night and wrote it this morning. Well, so it's, not it's, everybody it's reads that. Twitter, okay? It's not 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 everybody reads Twitter. Don't. Don't short sell yourself. Um, hey, guess what? We're like a half hour in. Welcome to Podcast Ain't Played Nobody. <laughs> this is a college football marriage of numbers and words. Uh, my co-host is the robot Bill Connolly. He invented the S&P Plus analytics system. He is the proprietor of SBNation.com's football study hall. He's also the author of the forthcoming book, uh, his second book, uh, 50 Best College Football Teams of All Time. There's an asterisk in there. Don't argue with me about that title, damn it. And uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey. And last week I had to sneak out of the back of an airport Hilton I wasn't staying in. But I also didn't get a chance to do this. All right. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you a kid alert. You want to scrub ahead exactly 30 seconds from right now if you're worried about profanity. Hey, powder fucking river. How about those pokes, Bill? I don't think you gave them people enough time to turn the volume down, but we'll go. No, back. they can scrub. I'll, be, I'll, I'll build it in. I'll, I'll give like a five second uh, bubble in there. Oh. God, you always turn this PG-13. Hey, Boise's 24th in this playoff ranking. Mm-hmm. What a sham. Actually, I, I have nothing against Boise, but I'm just saying. Hey, man, why, where's Wyoming? Where are the Pokes at? The, unfortunately, the Pokes also had an impossible schedule in that they had to go to Ypsilanti, and they ran into the wrecking machine that is Eastern Michigan. Oh, man. Hey, Wyoming has no business being this good, and I love it. <laughs> Their offense love is legitimately it. strong. Uh, and, they, and they have guys doing safety dances. That was the most delightful piece of, of the entire Saturday was they score safety to go ahead in like the last three minutes of the game. And a guy does a safety dance in the end zone. Uh, that was, that was uh, you know, I'm kissing my fingers right now. That was perfect. Um, and it's funny. This is, uh, I love it. It always kind of cracks me up when this happens. Craig Bowl right now. Um, I mean, this is obviously the best Wyoming team in quite a while. Uh, and it's good because of offense. Their defense is better than it was in that it's not the worst in FBS, but they're still much better on the offensive side of the ball. And it always kind of cracks me up when that happens, uh, when you've got this guy with a massive defensive reputation or the opposite. Uh, and said, like, you know, Dana Holgers in a couple of years at West Virginia having iffy offenses and really good defenses. Um, just kind of funny how things work out sometimes. And now, now they're six and two. Um, favorite against Utah State, probably favorite against UNLV. Same record as Auburn. Um, toss up at the, toss up at uh, uh, probably at New Mexico. But you know, you, if you you know if, if if things are running by that point, who knows? Like they've got a legitimate shot at maybe not ten and two, but maybe uh, ten and three after a win in you know like the New Ooh. Mexico Bowl. And I know you don't want the New Mexico Bowl. No, I don't. Just because that was the, that was where they went last time. Um, so this weekend I have to go to Oxford for a uh, family alma mater battle, which would be Ole Miss, Georgia Southern. I grew up a Georgia Southern fan. That's where my parents went to college. I obviously went to college at the University of Mississippi, and I'm thinking about ordering some Wyoming gear. To, to wear uh, to Georgia make... Southern Ole Miss? Yes. Well, you better that's get on my that. Favorite, that's my favorite football team. Uh, Amazon got me. Amazon's got me. Um I'm thinking about it. Also, I'm a little miffed here that my media bias, my like gross overstated media bias for like a real FBS D- Division One program. It's not like I pick some cute thing like the oh the banana slugs or whatever. I'm like legit causing myself problems because I have relationships with co- with coaches in the Mountain West, and I talk about how much I actually love the University of Wyoming. Where is my free stuff? You think anyone's listening in Laramie? No, no. Oh, Craig Bowl doesn't God. have an internet. 
can I not abuse this position to get like I just want one of those sweet Wyoming away jerseys with the with the um, like turn of the century Western font. Oh my god, it's awesome. Uh, we got to get back on track. This is a much more high energy podcast on my part, partially because we're recording more at midday, uh, whereas which I really kind of start to peak, much like uh, I don't know a junkie would, I guess, as I fuel up throughout the day. Normally we record at kind of my low point, which is right around the. 8.45 to 9 a.m. hour. I'm actually a morning person, but I just, my brain isn't ready yet. Bill's been up since 2 processing, so that's why he's always a sharper. But right now, I'm clicking. Um, we got to put a bow on this, Bill. It's November 1st. I'm going to say it one more time. I feel like we, I feel like the Richard Deitch treat, tweet about uh, a Skip Bayless comment. I feel like that's what we just did. Yes. In that we afforded a platform for something we don't particularly like or approve of and then not only that but we kind of let it get in our heads at the same time it's still okay to fundamentally disagree with it but this is what i preach i actually preach preach this on twitter because people always come to me and say can you believe what x uh college football personality said about y and i always tell them look you are giving them what they want so it's a little tough here because we are sort of tasked with analyzing the sport, and it's a pretty damn big, important part of the sport. But it's also, at the same time, really dumb and superfluous to talk about it on, you know, a day after Halloween. So let's put a pin in, in Washington, Texas A&M. I don't think that that's going to change this weekend because I think they're going to beat their respective opponents. But, Bill, all right, uh, Damn it. I'm, let, all right, just scrap everything I just said. What if LSU beats Alabama? <laughs> that would be Alabama's fun. going to be ranked in front of Washington, aren't they? Uh, probably. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> and then it'll be kind of interesting to see how far LSU jumps. LSU was actually not – I expected them to be a little higher than they ended up being. Um, I expected them to be relatively close to Auburn. Uh, Auburn was, what, like ninth, I think, eighth, ninth? Um, yeah. So it was. It was kind of funny. Like uh, I, I don't watch the show at all. I just I never. I have not once watched the show. But of course, if I'm on Twitter, I see okay. everything. And I saw like Auburn was ninth, and uh, I think our friend Matt Hinton said something to the effect of, "Wow, the only way you get Auburn at ninth is if you're looking at advanced stats or whatever." That's kind of interesting. I'm curious about. Oh, Louisville seventh. Never mind. Um, yep. And so it really does. Like the criteria for each of these teams is. It, it seems like completely different. But whatever. Alabama loses to LSU. They probably fall behind Clemson and Michigan. I mean, how would you put them behind Texas A&M, who has not yet played LSU? Um, and you don't, And I guarantee you they don't – it's not like you suddenly jump Washington in front of both of them. Right. So, no, I would assume that means Alabama falls to, like, three uh, A&M four and, and Washington stays at five. And, you know, unless Ohio State beats Nebraska by a lot and then Nebraska – and then Washington falls to sixth. But – um no, it, it's a, an interesting thought. And really, I mean, as I was putting together this piece this morning, like, this is college football. This is November. Weird things are going to happen that we don't necessarily see coming. And that's cool. Like, it's going to it's going to take down a couple of a, a few things that are going to happen that we didn't really expect. Great. Um, but until that happens, we're just kind of waiting because everything else is kind of laid out at this point, especially when you look at these rankings. I mean, Nebraska's behind a couple two lost teams and, you're, and we're basically looking at seven teams. Uh, that are probably a step ahead of everybody else. Uh, you know, the seven we, we, we expect, but then you got Wisconsin, Auburn at nine, just kind of waiting to pounce in case a lot of really crazy things go on. Um, but no, we're looking at seven teams, and of those seven teams, 
Alabama is going to be a relatively significant favorite in every game. I think per my numbers, they have right now a 47% chance of finishing 12-0, and and if they beat LSU, that jumps to like 3-4, and basically. Clemson's going to be a massive favorite in every game. Michigan's going to be a big favorite until Ohio State, and they're probably at this point going to be a favorite in that one unless Ohio State kind of rebounds a little bit. Washington's going to be a, a decent-sized favorite. So we're, until that, sh- that shoe falls or whatever, we're, we're just kind of waiting. Um, and, and so there, there's nothing obvious that's going to filter teams out other than Michigan and Ohio state playing each other. So yeah, we're just kind of waiting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of equity for, for some coaching staffs right now that are in big jobs that, that people still think are sort of growing into those jobs. Mike Riley at Nebraska, Jim McElwain at Florida, James Franklin at Penn state, uh, Ed Ogeron potentially at LSU and Paul, Paul Christ at uh, Wisconsin. These are all teams that are in the top 15 right now. I mean, like, Colorado's a meteoric. It's a Cinderella thing. Um, it's interesting that that many teams are in the mix for the partner bowl because that means if yeah. – I mean, really, honestly, even if you throw Auburn in where the expectations were and some of the we thought to be systemic issues were with that staff, the amount of turnover that they had because Muschamp left and took some guys with him, for them to be this improved on defense – if Auburn ends up in a partner bowl, that's a massive statement. I know that they view – the prism is, is obviously shaded by Alabama, but if Wisconsin ends up in one of the – I mean, between Wisconsin and Nebraska, they're in decent shape for that to happen. They're in decent shape to be in a pretty – you know, a good partner bowl. And it's funny because we don't ever talk about those games. I mean, the Rose has a certain allure, obviously, because of the history there, but – um, this year's playoff games are the the Peach and the Fiesta. Yes, the other games, the Cotton, the Orange, all that. That, I mean, if Penn State or Florida specifically or Nebraska end up in one of those games, that is massive because all of those coaches have worked the duration of their current jobs under a, on, under a lot of scrutiny. So this is going to. This is going to let so I would say between like after Ohio State I don't know what to think of this Louisville at seven thing but between Wisconsin like Auburn Nebraska Florida Penn State if two of those teams make partner bowls those staffs are going to be comfortable for a while and I, that's just not a group of teams that I thought I'd see in September so that's surprising on its in itself yeah now, it could all flame out it is possible. There is, it is kind of funny right now. You look at the top 14 teams. If you were to list like the 20 biggest college football brands in the country, 12 of those would be in the top 14 right now. I mean, the only ones, Washington is whatever. And I mean, they've had enough of a history that they could become that brand again if, if they do this frequently yeah. enough. Uh, and, and, then, um, and then you've got Louisville, who uh, doesn't have a brand but has the best player in the country. Um, so, I mean, this is a dream year for college football in terms of brands and recognizability and yada, 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 yada. Um, so that, I mean, that's, you know, that's no fun for me. I, you know, I, I enjoyed the Colorado stories a hell of a lot more than, oh, look, hey, you know, Ohio State's good. That's great. Um, but for college so, football. Oh, that, you know what, you, that, you bring up a good point. Uh, not that ESPN is just going to completely puppet the entire process, but they are still stuck on New Year's this year, or I'm sorry, New Year's Eve, yeah. which was a disaster last year, as we've addressed. So the Who best place, I'm not, yeah, shocking. Um, America, actually. Uh, I can do this real fast, and I swear to God, we'll move on. If you needed to puppeteer the best possible two games for New Year's Eve, I would go with, uh, you, obviously, Michigan, Ohio State, one of those brands. 
opposite, not playing, but opposite Alabama. So that's the first thing you need. So let's just drop Alabama and in Atlanta and then put uh, the Big Ten winner huh. in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say anything like this. This may piss people off, but we like we follow a lot of different kinds of metrics and and how people are looking for information on the playoff and the title games. <laughs> Clemson is not the as big a brand as people might think. Is that that's fair to say? That's fair. We but actually top have, yeah, we should have Jason Kirk on to explain because he's the one who looks at all this kind of stuff. Um, ideally, Bill, um, just I don't know if I mean you. Like Washington will probably be in it. I, I still feel like so. You put what Alabama and I think maybe of what's available, you take Alabama versus either Clemson or weird team that comes flying up the charts to number four, and then have Michigan play Washington in Phoenix, and then that way, yeah, actually that works best because then the Phoenix will be the late game. And then you get the West Coast interest in, in obviously it's not USC, but it's a pretty big brand. And you have the Seattle, like you have a large DMA specific. So that's that's the best case scenario. Yeah, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, and Atlanta, that, that might sell a few tickets. Um, well, the tickets are, yeah. Well, I mean, the tickets the are ESPN, sold, obviously, yeah. but yeah. ESPN's concern is more, yeah, I think a national title, actually, I tell you what, I think a national title rematch is, is marketable, especially if you put it in Atlanta, in the backyard of those two teams. So let's just say Alabama, Clemson, and Atlanta, and then Michigan, Washington, and Phoenix. And then, obviously, for television's sake, like this is not me. I don't really want to see this because I, I hate dealing with both programs. But <laughs> um, Alabama, Michigan is what ESPN wants more than anything else. Yeah, the only thing I the think only that, thing I think the only thing else they they, they want more is Ohio State right. to beat Michigan right. and then to have another Urban Nick. Yeah, that's showdown. what I, was I mean. That that's the title fight. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Ohio State. If this was UFC, for that to happen. Yeah, if this was UFC, that's what they would all they would sort of they would bend everything in that direction <laughs> although harbaugh i mean i know harbaugh's pretty close now in terms of of what people in boardrooms and ad executives want in new york city it's pretty close this is all god awful by the way this is just is soul sucking i'd rather talk about kids not making money and other terrible things that happen <laughs> yeah no, this is, it's i mean good for college football this is what this is our industry and you know when they do well that's you know fine but uh it also uh you know, isn't uh, it, it, it? It's like any other uh, popular industry. In that, the better it does, um, the more certain awful people think they're the reason for it doing so well, and then start making really, really, really dumb decisions. But anyway, uh, this weekend is not great, but it is good, and it, it does have all the chemical components necessary for a weird explosion. Definitely. Yeah, the, the dance card really was kind of cleared out for. Uh, Alabama, LSU. You do have Nebraska, uh, Ohio State still. Yep. This, it really is uh, Alabama, LSU, and the undercard. Um, if you want to start kicking off chaos, and I don't really want to run through this chronologically like we do because it's just not that strong a lineup, but if you want to start kicking off chaos, I would go, I mean, obviously LSU, Bama, that could change things real, real fast, but I would go with Florida, Arkansas. If, if Arkansas is able to, to knock around Florida and the East just continues to weaken itself. Uh, I would go with. Whew. By the way, Oregon and Oregon and USC can't do any more damage to to one another. I mean, there's really that that actually isn't that bad. You have to. I think you have to jump right to Nebraska and Ohio State, like you said. Yeah, I will say. By the way, um, since I watched them in person last week, 
Kentucky has been a really, really, really interesting story this year in that they sucked exactly like my numbers said they would uh, for the first few games of the season. And then at some point, uh, what's his name, Barker gets hurt. Well, Barker struggles and then gets hurt. Uh, They put in a quarterback in Steven Johnson who just is not a passer who can run a passing system. Um, and so Eddie Grand, meanwhile, notices, wait, well, this, this, uh, we seem to have a pretty good run game. How about we just quadruple down on the run game, see if we can craft an offense out of that, and suddenly they have one of the best running games in the country, and they're winning games now. They, they, I mean, this was a complete turnaround um, midseason, and uh, they, just, they look like a very confident team now, and I still, I still assume Florida wins the SEC East, but... Now we're looking at a situation where Kentucky, I, I mean, I have them uh, 60% chance of beating Georgia. And while my numbers still say they're 26% chance at Tennessee, Tennessee uh, had a week, <laughs> had a little bit of a week and uh, is needs to rebound quickly. If they do, if they do not rebound mentally, they're going to be extreme, extremely vulnerable in that game. And that's it. If they win those two, uh, they're at six and two, and granted, Florida still has to lose to to um, what both LSU and Arkansas, I guess. But that that's not yeah. out of the realm of possibility. Completely could happen. Florida Arkansas even feels like a non conference matchup. Is how stupid the rotation of the <laughs> SEC. But is but anyway, so then yeah, plus Florida's allergy to the Central Time. We zone. could be looking at a nice uh, rematch of the thirty-four to six Alabama win over Kentucky. But it really was, I think, about the next week when things really started turning around offensively. Um, and they, you know, putting up 40, making a big comeback against Missouri, uh, Mississippi State and then Missouri. I mean, Missouri's granted Missouri's run defense at this point is just bafflingly terrible. But they still took advantage of it, barely even tried to pass, completed a couple bombs on passing downs, and that was all they needed um, to pull away in that one. So power to them. They're, they're certainly – they're still only 62nd in my rankings because this is a relatively recent turnaround, but they've turned around, and they've won close games, and, and they look like a really confident team, and that was not something – you know, they, they blow a big lead against Southern Miss to start the year, and they lose that. Then they get just destroyed at Florida, uh, and then they have to outlast New Mexico State in a shootout. That was – I expected – it was pretty clear where this was headed, and they figured out a way to steer – to completely change the offensive identity and turn things around and power to them for that. Likeliest candidate for chaos is actually Syracuse at Clemson. Ooh, yeah. Does weird, how one, weird how that one's gone under the radar. Well, I mean, Syracuse is still iffy, but they showed against Virginia Tech at least that if, if, you, yeah. if they can suck Virginia you Tech. into that game, their kind of game yep, – the Vir- it is proof of concept right. that game. That game meant nothing at the time, and then you start to see the respectability of Virginia Tech, and then you understand that Syracuse is still deeply flawed, but very capable in the, in their circumstances. And they play that kind of game where, like, if you're Clemson and you've got a bunch of goals on the table and you just cleared a big hurdle, you don't want a big uh, a serious fight. But they're going to make that game last four hours. They're gonna exactly. uh, they're just gonna stretch you out and try to wear you down. So yeah, Clemson will probably handle that one just fine. Uh, but Syracuse is is not the team you want to face just from a pure exhaustion standpoint. Syracuse is not the team you want to face after a big road win. Um, I don't consider Iowa Penn State to be part of potential chaos. I mean, really, if we're boiling it down, Nebraska could shut out Ohio State's national title hopes. Yeah, probably. And then, uh, I mean, Iowa Penn State. Yeah, you could you could put a dent. And I mean, look. I still think nine and three James Franklin gets to breathe for a year. Um, God, so, I would hope so. 
Yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's with this maybe. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna vote Syracuse Clemson. Um, the greatest nuclear bomb potential is still LSU. Yep, and. Florida would, I mean, Florida taking another L would just be more, I think that would be more bloggy in terms of our little, our little culture laughing at that than it would be necessarily impactful on the national scale. But Arkansas uh, also has a lot of work I to mean, do because they have not been very good. In years past, I, 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 I feel ashamed not to have skipped right past this, although, I mean, they're bad this year, but in years past, going to Starkville would be a raging pain in the ass for a program like Texas A&M in years past. I just don't know if the personnel's there this year to create a trap. Yeah, they have a very specific. Um, Mississippi State's a weird team this year. Like I'm, I'm looking at their numbers here. They're 67th in my rankings, which is clearly a, a step down from where they were. But I mean, they're basically like they're neither good nor terrible at anything. But they have a, a an identity on offense. They can run the ball. They are good at that. I should say the, the passing game detracts from anything the running game can do. But yeah, if AM can't, AM allows you a lot of efficiency. They, they're not a very efficient defense. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, if they're able to run the ball consistently and they don't have to pass, then Nick Fitzgerald, I mean, he'll, he'll end up with like 30 carries for 120 yards, uh, but they might be able to actually control the proceedings and give themselves a shot. Oh, man, I just got to thinking about how evil this Egg Bowl is going to be. It's going to be evil. Oh, God. Uh, uh, so, not great on the midweek. Um, I've already talked about this on this program, but last night I um, was very quickly flipping by. I kind of had to barter. Um, it's just not even bartering with my wife like I'm playing to a gender stereotype. I'm just kind of bartering with my own sanity and that I didn't take in a lot of action last night because I've been on the road an insane amount. I'll be on the road. Obviously, we're, I'm doing the college football consumer experience this weekend, Bill, but then I have an NFL assignment on Sunday. Um, and I am watching the Falcons on Thursday night. So I, I skipped the action, but I, I kind of didn't sk- – I like, got the kid to bed and then kind of flipped in just to check. How – like at what point – how bad must it suck to be a fan of a action team and, and really have to try and have a game experience on Tuesday, Wednesday night? Yeah. No, that's – Thursday we, we night is love different. It. We all love it. I know. But, but. – really, I think it's really abusive to the actual schools. Yeah, I mean, I just, I know, you know, Missouri's had two Thursday night games in the last, like, 10 years. And granted, both of them were miserable deluge of rain kind of experiences. But it wasn't, well, last year was uh, Mississippi State? Yeah, and then in 09 yeah. was the game where Indomitian Sue broke Blaine Gabbert's ankle in half. Um, which, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, so that, so clearly that impacted, that colored the experience, both the, the results and the fact that we had to stand in devastating rain for hours. But... I also, like, even before we saw the forecast, it was, you know, people from St. Louis and Kansas City have to get off work at, at, you know, like two at the latest. And then they have to come in. There's no tailgate, which, you know, so it removes one of the seven or so tailgates from the season. Uh, you're just trying to come in and maybe grab a bite to eat. Uh, it is a completely different experience. And it just kind of, you know, it took a game like Missouri-Nebraska in 09. It took a game that would have been like an all-day tailgate fun experience and turned it into a, I just hope I get to you know town in, in time to have like a drink at a bar and then go to the game. And I don't so, know if we're arguing against ourselves here, though, because this is among other dumb things that we've built in this in this podcast culture. We celebrate the, the G5, but... Is it not a celebration to enjoy watching them on a Tuesday night so much as it is? I also, 
like dumb Wyoming rant aside, I genuinely hate it when I see people say, "Oh, well, they're that school doesn't have fans, or no one no one cares about that school." Right. The MAC being sort of the epitome of of Big Ten and SEC fans, you know, thinking past them or thinking less of them. I'm sure there are hardcore. I know there are hardcore Northern Illinois and Bowling Green and Ohio fans and. Yeah, if you even if you still live somewhere in the Rust Belt or you're near there, I mean, yeah, it's a Tuesday night. Like it's it's one thing to be 26 years old and right. to call in sick to work the next day and go get go get drunk with people that you still know. But if you live college. two hours away and you have a kid, and you're 36, like it's a completely different. It, the paradigm makes it pretty much impossible. Right. So, but they, I mean, uh, I think they understand I, this is a sacrifice. They basically sacrificed their November for for branding, and it worked. I mean, Mac Mac has a brand. I don't know. You know, can what? they move on now? Huh? Can they move on? Can 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 Maxion's not going anywhere, right? Can they just can they just be done with it? Or I mean, Bill, at least why the hell are they playing two at once? Yeah, that one that one I cannot explain. Especially, um, let's see, do they have one on? Oh no, never mind. This this is the big week, so they do have one on Tuesday. At least one on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But yeah, sp- times when there's not like a Wednesday game or or even a Thursday game, but they have two on Tuesday. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe it's it's basically. I, I have no idea what the logic is, but in this case, maybe it was kind of a let's let's have two to try to hopefully make sure that one of them is good. Oh, hey, look, uh, it's one of these 78 times my phone's going to ring today because Drink. the election's still six damn days away and I'm going to kill somebody. Um, Missouri, Sweet State. Uh, not at the presidential level this time, okay. but um, hey, guess what? Hey, hey, guess what? Tennessee's not. <laughs> Yeah. So as we record this, Toledo's going, to, or not at, not as we're recording this, but tonight, yes. Toledo plays at Akron. Take one of those games from last night. So who did Western beat up on? Ball State. And then it was uh, Northern Illinois. Bowling Green, Northern, Illinois, Bowling Northern Illinois, which should have been a big game in other years and just was not at all. Yeah. I don't fault them for both being sub 500. And like, you, you can't help that. And you can't, you don't flex options to move days on, like, college football i mean let's let's keep a piece of the soul there that's fine just but just play that one on saturday you get all the action stuff it and i think if anything it's it's counterproductive because we're the people like literally bill and i because we're in the college football media are are, we're supposed to be celebrating and then driving folks to the product right i know why it happens it's just that espn has 75 functioning channels and they need inventory to raise ad rates i've said this before on the show that's why terrible bulls exist, and they actually create bulls specifically for blocks of time <laughs> to sell ads in between NFL programming. But although, hey, that's changed. Hell yeah! Um, just just do one, and then also don't have it against your selection show. See, they're asking anyone who cares enough about college football, really, kind of, you know, it's kind of a breadcrumbs approach of like, hey. We're, we're playing college football. You've never heard of these teams, and if, unless you're from here, you've never been here. You know, it's not like a, no, one's, no one's got Northern Illinois on a bucket list, right? So, But you'll watch it because it's on. But then also, hey, flip over and watch our completely manufactured, like, reality TV show. So why not put those apart from each yeah. other? No, it was, Maybe it, just don't have Maxion last night. Yeah, no, it's, it was... Odd. This is where I want to rally our listeners, though, because I know that I know for a fact from our emails we do have listeners. Um, by the way, Hustle Belt does a great job. Oh hell yeah! We, we don't do institutional plugs near enough for people who get paid to do this, but check out SB Nation's Hustle Belt if you are ever interested in the Mac. 
you will find people who are devoted to their respective programs. Absolutely. So, um, but if you are a Mac fan or if you are, I tell you what, if you're a Mac tailgater, holler at me because other than um, there's, well, there's one feature that I I can't name because I, I would be legitimately afraid of one of my colleagues stealing it from me that I've tried to do for three or four years. But when we go into spring meetings this year, the uh, the Mac story. Every year we say this, Bill, that like we should go and road trip, right. like the weeknight Mac experience. The problem is it's November, and I have six things cooking for a much larger audience. Not to be rude, but it's, it's kind of how the job works. So one of these years we're going to get there. By the way, just to be pissed off again, why is Central Michigan playing at Miami of Ohio on a Friday night when there's other stuff on? Yeah. Well, for the Friday night's pretty bad. Friday night. Well, but you, you don't know that at the time. You, you yeah. I mean, San Jose, Boise, if Boise had beaten Wyoming, then you have undefeated Boise on at 9.15 Eastern. So you get most of the country watching Boise. Yeah, that makes sense. Temple and Yukon. Hmm. Man. Uh, it's, it's all, this is, I feel like we're in an off-season topic zone here talking about, like, because that, all, by the way, I, just not to completely lay this all on the feet of ESPN, there are two MAC games. There's one Thursday, Buffalo at Ohio, and then Friday, the Central Michigan Miami game. Those are CBS Sports Network games, and we know how I feel about CBS Sports Network. <laughs> I think we've established um, Thursday night. Uh, it, it's uh, Oklahoma Iowa State. Okay, that's pointy, right? Yeah, well, um, and that's that's when you pay attention to just in case Ames strikes. Um, speaking of Ames, uh, I've been in Baton Rouge working on a piece. And I, um, I broke the news about the coaching stuff this week, which is up at SB Nation. Um, and check that out. And if you have any questions, um, hit, hit me up on Twitter because I wrote a call in the week before about how all this source listing stuff works. And then I turned around and did it because I was in Baton Rouge working on that and another story. Um, I'm not putting myself on a tangent here. Bill, I can't stop thinking about 2011 Oklahoma State, Iowa State. <laughs> it was on a Friday night. Yep. If that game goes the other way, think about all the things that are different right now. Yeah. It's one less it's one less Nick Saban national title at Alabama. Well it, it's a second it's a second national title for Les Miles at LSU. And uh the timeline I I, I wrote about this for the book too. Um the timeline of that was we'd been talking about a playoff for five years. Uh, BCS title game ratings sank for the second Alabama LSU game. And that was believed to be a major impetus in them saying, okay, fine, let's do the playoff then. Um, Possibly don't have a playoff. Right. Or at least haven't, or maybe this is the first year of a playoff, or maybe it's coming in five years or whatever, but that seemed to be the final, finally a thing that somebody hopped on and, and, and rode to fi- We have to do this. We have to do a playoff now. Um, <laughs> I talked to T Bob. I talked to T Bob Abear, uh, and he's quoted in the the because he gave such a like. It was it was weird. It was like a kind of a Rain Man instantaneous response to <laughs> Ed Ogeron's chances, and I just transcribed it and threw it in the story. Uh, but I talked to him about all kinds of stuff, and he was on that team. That was his. That was his last year, yeah. and he brought up something I hadn't thought about before. That team beat the national champion, right? Mm-hmm. Beat the Rose Bowl champion. Oregon. That team was amazing. That but team a terrible beat, final act. There's another bowl team that they beat. Uh, God, who was it? So I'm pulling up their schedule because it's the sugar. Oh, wait was was that the year Florida went to the Sugar Bowl? No. So they beat. Here's who they beat. Okay, they. I've got the schedule in front of me, but it's like basically they beat a bunch of champions. 
Yes. Uh, Arkansas was number three when they beat them. Uh, That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. and Maybe but, that was it. Uh, they, they won the Cotton Bowl that year, so they finished. So, yeah, no, they, they, they beat number three Oregon, and these are rankings at the time, number three Oregon in Arlington to start the season, and Oregon doesn't lose again for, like, two months. They beat – they won at number 25 Mississippi State by 13, at number 16 West Virginia by 26. They return home. They beat number 17 Florida by 30. Uh, they go. They host number 19 Auburn and win by 35. They go to Alabama and win, and, yes, the game was a – a slugfest, blah, 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 boring, et cetera. It was, they won at Tuscaloosa against the eventual national champion. Um, They then get a couple weeks off and and they beat Western Kentucky and a bad Mississippi team by uh, combined 94 to 12. Uh, And then they go, uh, they host Arkansas, spot Arkansas, 14 points, number three, Arkansas, spot them 14 points and then outscore them 41 to three the rest of the way. They go to Georgia and spot them, I think 10 points and then outscore them 42 to nothing the rest of the way. I was at that game. That was uh, the most incredible regular season run there's ever really been. It's just they couldn't beat Nick Saban twice. And so that's – but, yeah, if they play in Oklahoma State, I, that Oklahoma State team was legitimately the third best team in the country and steps and steps away from both LSU and Alabama. And LSU would have won that game. LSU would have killed them. Because, I, I mean, look, among other things – Look, there's not a team they lose to other than, no, than Alabama no. twice. Because, I mean, among other things, that Oklahoma State team, that Oklahoma State team was really good, partially because of their passing game. Nobody had a good passing game against LSU that year. Not even close. So, yeah, that's that's two national titles for for LSU. That's one less national title for Nick Saban. And, yeah, there's a playoff. And all because they called that kick no good at the end of regulation, and I'm still not convinced it was no good. And that, that was a really weird spot to be in because I absolutely, once Oklahoma State had an official loss on the, on the record, I thought Alabama should absolutely get in because I thought Alabama was by far the better team. Um, All right. Well, you always have these super smart, succinct, like little, little maxims and quips that best summarize college football. Here's mine. When you set something on fire names, it can burn down the whole world because that's basically what happened. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I can't even get over it. Just the Alabama part. Yeah. Just yeah. the Alabama part. For Miles to beat Saban head-to-head and then go on and win a national title. Because they drubbed Rick. Georgia was the third-best team in the conference that year. It, well, maybe Arkansas. But, oh, man. So, uh, on Friday, this is another week where um, just, you know, in the, in, in the name of hits and whatever else, I'll be writing two Bama LSU pieces this week. Get excited. Uh, just like I wrote two Bama A and M pieces, man, I'm a sellout now. Um, so on Friday, it's going to be kind of a uh, uh, kind of a butterfly effect thing. Uh, basically, what we're kind of talking about—that's kind of the the Friday idea for me. But if you would be so kind as to root really hard for Iowa State to pull an upset in Ames the day before that piece goes up, that would tie that piece into a little bow for me. Um, and I would appreciate it. And Joe Mixon will not be playing for OU because he like I don't argued with a parking attendant or something. I, I haven't really gathered all of that yet. So just cross your fingers, hope for a miracle in Ames, and you'll read one hell of a piece Friday morning. Yeah, I'll see. Well, you know, all I know is anytime I ever ever try and leverage a story against an, an outcome, it never goes. Oh yeah, much never, favor. ever, ever, ever. So ever, like, ever, ever. And it'll ever. be a good piece no matter what because we do have all those other things, and I'll probably still talk about Iowa State OSU because it because it was what it was. 
But yeah, that that add a little boost. We could put that in the headline. I need to holler at Paul Rhodes about that game. Where is Paul Rhodes right now? Defensive backs coach at Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay. He ain't doing nothing. Yeah, his his defensive. I mean, I'm sure he's very busy. I just didn't want to be mean. Uh, Bill, we got questions. Uh, reader mail. Yep. Go first. Um. Okay, so before we get into reader mail, I just want to emphasize how much we love and appreciate you guys, um, especially our, our repeat offenders and those of us who kind of stay with us and keep conversations going. Um, as far as the broadcast part of the podcast, uh, brevity, folks, brevity, <laughs> brevity, brevity, brevity. Um, here's one I'm going um, I'm, so I'm to kind of edit as I go. Um, so this is Patrick, and Patrick says, um, uh, Stephen and Bill, I had a question about something I regularly get into debates about with friends and colleagues who love to debate college football like myself. Being a Cincinnati Bearcat alum and fan, I will not bore you with questions about their conference realignment snub or Coach Tuberville's future. We can talk about that later, actually, Patrick. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, I would like to ask a completely unrelated question. Well, that's the podcast to do it. <laughs> the Heisman Trophy. I regularly like to say that during conversations, just how flawed of an award it is. For example, the notion that it is awarded to the best player in college football is flawed. Am I wrong in saying that it's flawed? Uh, And then he goes goes on extensively, talks about Brady Quinn being snubbed in favor of Troy Smith, and on and on and on. Um, Okay, so uh, I simply feel like the award only ends up going to players when their team is ranked in the top six through eight teams, and anyone outside of it has no shot. Bill? Let me take this one, and then you can go. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the essence of this podcast exists for people who think the Heisman is trash. <laughs> because I think the Heisman Trophy is trash. I think it is a completely subjective, almost whimsical collection of incredibly entitled people at the very top. And I'm talking about the, the longtime voters in the media who in no way, shape, or form – are remotely qualified to assess whatever the actual ambiguous definition is, depending on the year. Best team, best player on best team, player with most value to inherent team, best player objectively in terms of application to any team. No one actually knows. What it is is snarky, petty provincialism at its best. It's awful. If they threw it away this year, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bat an eye or care at all. And I still couldn't explain to. I have a couple of friends who are uh, British, but like really British, and that they approach sports from a very British, or they approach American sports from a very British standpoint. I can't. Un, I can't explain to them why the Heisman is like. There's no other big ceremony for an NBA MVP or for the Cy Young Award winner. I don't know why we put this much stock in the Heisman. I don't know why we should keep doing it. Um, it's awful. It's trash. And so thank you for your question, Patrick. But um, it, I, I'm never going to debate Heisman worthiness. It's never a segment I do. When people ask me about it on the radio, I purposefully try and find someone off the top of my head that has is never going to win it and then just like act like I really think that person should. It's stupid. I um. I will be forever grateful to Jason that he could tell like, so in 2011 and I think 2012 I did like with, that was one of my weekly duties was like a Wednesday Heisman piece, I believe, or Tuesday or something. Um, 
And I think he could tell how completely miserable it made me. And so we kind of switched the schedule around a little bit because it was miserable. And in the second year, I actually had kind of accidentally came up with something I liked. Just it was a pure experiment. It was not meant to be some sort of, hey, so-and-so is in the lead. Is basically I, I awarded the Heisman each week and kept a point total, like gave a top 10 or five or something. And I gave like a running point total to see like just how it would match up. And it ended up matching up. I think that was Johnny Manziel. Um, but it was kind of like Geno Smith had a huge lead. and then So it was kind of a fun little experiment, but it wasn't a Heisman column, really. Uh, and then he gave it to people. like so. And then we kind of changed our focus after that. But this company as a whole uh, created a an alternate award with an alternate ceremony the night before the Heisman just to kind of prove to sports writers and everybody else that this sport can still be kind of fun. Um, that's still, that's, that might forever be the, my favorite thing that SB Nation has done with the Heisman just because it was fun. It was one of the most fun, like Friday nights that I had last year. It, it was a very, it was a, a legitimately joyful experience to be there and have, you know, Ashton win and all that. Um, really, really cool. But no, I, I think I, I think I was actually still being a little bit naive uh, as late as like 2009 with the Heisman in that like I understood that like Orlando Pace didn't win that one year that he was up for it. But that if there was a player so transcendent and, and so much more dominant than everybody else, um, maybe there's still a chance, especially if he plays for a good team. But when Ndamukong Sue finished like third uh, behind Mark Ingram that I, uh, I'm not sure I could tell you who's won the Heisman since then. Uh, even, even the years where I did, it. I, I know Johnny Manziel did it. Um, I guess what Cam Newton and James, I could piece it together, but it, that's the moment it stopped becoming even slightly legitimate to me. And I was mid thirty, or I was, yeah, like I was past 30 years old. I should have known better a long time before that. But that was, that was when it became crystal clear to me that there's just no way there's, it's, it's absolutely silly to keep up with any of it. Um, but I had writer. I mean, I had I had someone, and I can't repeat it because I it, I eavesdropped a conversation uh, years after the the Jason White Eli Manning vote in. I was still in college. It was my last year of college, and someone mentioning that they hated Ole Miss because they thought that you know the racist imagery and right. that they could never vote for Eli Manning because of that. <laughs> this is that's the kind of logic that goes into a Heisman vote. I mean, it's not just Charles Woodson year. It's like. There's all kinds of like and, and 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 the block the southern block vote is was one of the worst aspects, like that that's how Alabama running backs win the Heisman. All right, I I could I could really really devolve into a into a petty thing here. So let me um this is a, uh, actually you didn't get this email. This is just Godfrey. Uh, Jerry Lambden writes uh, Godfrey. I read your 2015 article about LHN and skimmed it again just now. But now that the latest round of Big 12 expansion has played out, has your outlook changed in any way? Whether it be strengthening or weakening your documented outlook, we'd love to hear this. Um, uh, I don't – my outlook on LHN was – I mean, I I went into that story as a reporter. Um, Actually, truth be told, the reason we got that story is because they – this is how weird ESPN is sometimes. They – we're not wanting to talk about LHN back then, and they, but yet they were also offering like local media that played Texas. They were trying to get them and like in basically ingratiate themselves to local media because keep in mind they were also building the launch of the SEC network at the time. So that they, someone somewhere has a file on me. I'm serious. Did they have a file on Bill? Like, this is how publicists work, and it lists your alma mater. 
So I tried to get the story going. They saw that I was an Ole Miss alum, and they invited me for that Ole Miss game in, was it 13? I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, I, just remember yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, was, I just remember a lot of Bo Wallace and Evan Ingram in that game. And so they thought that I was like a team, like a fan blogger or something, and that's how I actually snuck in and got the story done um, because ESPN is super weird sometimes. Um, anyway, uh, my outlook is that, yeah, it, it is a problem and it is an obstruction towards a more cohesive and more valuable Big 12. But I, I think actually after this last round, Bill, I think David Boren has, has really outdone himself at being <laughs> like counterfactual and obstinate and – uh, to just blame Texas and to blame Texas for only thinking of itself as a singular brand um, is is short sighted. When at least when diagnosing what what ails the Big Twelve, it does not help. Texas does not help the cause, but they are not the only problem. The mood and the disposition of Texas in general that creates that kind of entitlement is not unique to Burn Orange. So I think uh it's going to it, i think eventually that uh, on the path that it's on right now having friends that work at lhn and friends that work at espn um i think lhn eventually like a lot of espn is going to evolve into something very very different than what we have now and i think in 10 years you're going to turn on your television and espn is going to be an app and and the app is going to be the netflix of live sports and i think that the programming around that and the content around that is going to have to reflect that and adjust because the way they have it now, the concept of even what is an ESPN2? Why does it exist? Right. Seriously, like we don't have any reason for that. We don't have any reason for us for a network number that isn't even ESPNU, honestly, just exists as a burnoff for inventory of games that aren't that great, that aren't marquee games. That's the whole reason ESPNU exists. So the need to fill in programming around that and create something that's considered a channel probably won't exist in a decade. And if you think that's heresy, you're not paying attention. Um, so, yeah, that's my spiel. I <laughs> uh, got one from our friend Brett. Um, love the podcast. I have a few thoughts on my mind. Um, number one. Yeah, where... Brett cheated. He's got, like, a bunch of questions in here. Yeah, probably not going to go through all of them right now. But number one, where is the love for Troy? Will they stay unranked? Yeah, Bill. Now, uh, when I first read this, I was offended. Like, come on, I have them twenty eighth in my rankings, but now I kind of get it. Where's the love for Troy? Will they stay unranked at, until they beat Appalachian State? Other than a loss to Clemson, they have a case for the G five NY six representative, and losing at Clemson by six might be more impressive than Western Michigan or Boise State's P five wins. Absolutely right. Um, I, I, I mean, it's a it's an incredibly fair point when you know, because they haven't really played anybody since Clemson. Um, Southern Miss, I mean, Southern, that's a, a good win, but Southern Miss hasn't done amazing things of late. Um, and so that's probably the shine's come off of that. And then they were on but television. But Southern Miss, Southern Miss has a good win against Kentucky now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, but okay, that's so here's a quality here's, win. So they are 28th in S&P Plus right now. They are 30. This is the most amazing part. They are 38th on offense, they are 34th on defense. Um, they are seventh in special teams. This isn't like, uh, you know, Neil Brown gets hired. So you assume this is a team that just, you know, wins games 50 to, to 38. Uh, they're winning the games on average 33 to 24. They, they lost to Clemson by six. Um, they beat, they won at Southern Miss and early in the season when Southern Miss was doing pretty well, they did that 37, 31. Um, they beat, uh, New Mexico state and Idaho by a combined 86 to 19, which is about as, about what you can do there. 
the last couple of weeks have been a little bit problematic. They they only beat Georgia State 31-21, which, I mean, if you're trying to build a, state, a, a case for a Sun Belt team making that G5 slot, you're going to have to beat everybody with like 50 to, to 7. Uh, and then last week they beat South Alabama – Really handled things pretty easily, but found themselves in a little bit of an early hole, and it took them a little while to. They, they only won by seven, but their win expectancy per my numbers was ninety six percent. So they looked the part, but they were still on national television last week, and they only beat South Alabama by seven. So that probably hurt. So now they've got UMass this week. You obviously you need to destroy UMass, but if they beat Appalachian State and Arkansas State after that, and then they went at Georgia Southern to finish the season, I realize Georgia Southern is very disappointing this year, but they'd still be winning in Statesboro, very. which I think still I think that holds something. The Eleven and one with wins over Southern Miss and Appalachian State and Arkansas State and Georgia Southern, and a, a damn near win at Clemson. Why wouldn't that be a case if if Western Michigan loses? Like, what will they have done? Um, in this 12 game schedule that Boise state that Boise state can surpass. Like that's, that's very impressive to me, especially since Appalachian state, my numbers love them too. They're freaking 23rd right now. Uh, good news for Troy fans. You're legit based on the conversations that I have with people in the industry. Bad news for Troy fans. Neil Brown is legit. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. not going to be there long. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy that I hear about in terms of like a down the road thing, like a 20, probably end of 2017 hire at the earliest. He's still pretty young. I think he's my age. I think he's 35 exactly. So um, he may not be P5 ready yet, but he is, it's, it's coming quick, no doubt. Um, he came off the Kentucky tree, by the way. So just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's much of a tree, but. I'm going to go through his other two parts just because I enjoy them. I'm going to skip the last part for now. Um, it's about creating an S&P measure for the Southern Conference. Uh, I, that, that's one that's, you know, give me two years. Um, part two, part of the reason I love Troy is the result of something I'd encourage all PAP and listeners to experience. Each year, my friends and I pick a payday game to go to. So far, South Alabama at South Carolina, Wofford at Clemson, Troy at Clemson, UL at Lafayette at Georgia become big fans of that team. We'll research the school, uh, the team's history, then gear up and go to the game as huge fans of the little guy. Troy almost won it for us this year, but we'll just have to keep trying. It's a fun way to learn about the G5 schools as well as get cheap tickets to some of the bigger stadiums in the country. Uh, I would heartily encourage all PAPN listeners to experience this at least once as it gives an appreciation for the lower levels of FBS football that depend on these games to exist, and we get crippled if P5 conferences eventually outlaw such games. It's also a good way to bring friends together who root for different teams since I'm a Penn State grad who attends these games with Alabama slash Notre Dame slash Purdue alum friends. Purdue. All right, I'm calling it right now. I'm calling it right now. We're doing this next year. (laughs) We will have... We're buying uh, shirts. Thank you, Brett. Yes, thank you for your suggestion. I'm just going to say it now. We'll commit to it. Uh, We will find a way to do this next year. Maybe in week one, because that's actually a good time to do it. Or week two. Yeah, it's got to be early. Yeah, it's got to be early, because then we all kind of start going in different directions. We'll do this. I don't know where. I don't even know what part of the country. We're going to, and by God, we're going to make Bud do it, too. A payday game would, I guess the rules are that the, the, the smaller G5. Okay, first off, I assume it has to be a, an FBS team. Right. Okay. Well, no, he said Wofford. Well, he said Wofford, but it would be, for us, I think it would be. Okay. All right, so, so it has to be a G5 team, and they have to be the road team. So that's what we're asking for? Yep. Well, we'll take I mean, candidates. no shortage of that. But we'll start. <laughs> yes. Now, do we want to try and pick a winnable game or a lost cause? Um, 
I say interesting school. Like that's part of the like, thing. Like, we'll like, take do nominations. We want a Central Michigan. Do we want like oh Central Michigan could beat Oklahoma State, or do we want like do we want like oh God FSU, FIU has to go to you know Bama? <laughs> I would say the whole don't pitch here is that. We'll take nominations for games. First, we'll say three weeks of the season. We'll take nominations, and then part of the nomination is tell us why we should pick that game, and we'll leave it at that. Hmm. And no more specifications beyond that. So we'll start the nomination process at the beginning of the offseason, so don't don't at me right now. We're busy. But let's do – this will be a nice little um, activity for the, for the dead zone. Let's say – I'll tell you what. After signing day, after signing day, and it'll be like an essay writing contest. Please don't, please don't give me any Tom Rinaldi business. Don't tell me about anybody who has, like, cancer in one leg, okay? Um, man, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. I feel like September is a good time. Yeah. Probably, like, you know, week two always trends to assy, Bill. Yeah, that's right. Now that, that we've built up week one so much, we kind of yeah. leave a gap. Mm, feels like I got a week two situation. Going to tell you all right up front, if we're doing this week two, we're going to go to the northern side of this country because I don't want to stand out. Like, so I can tell you right now, Florida State just got crossed off the list. Alabama just got crossed off the list. Like, Athens, like, I don't want to stand around in assy heat. So, um, who's Michigan State got? I've already been – I'm already around, playing around on FBSschedules.com here. All right. What if, all right. Just just to tease, is it, who's the clubhouse leader right now? Um, I have not actually found one yet. I've clicked on some – I've been clicking on the mid-major side of things, and I have not found a good one yet. Um, I will say, let's, clicking on Michigan State, they start the season with Bowling Green and Western Michigan. That's almost too obvious. Um, and honestly, I've been to Michigan State. So – I'm, I'm overruling them and see now we're doing exactly what we're not going to do. Now we're going to find one and then take nominations when we've already kind of decided that's well, if, if our listeners can beat our enthusiasm, I'm oh, looking at it. Oh, 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 okay. Damn it. All right. Never mind. Never mind. I, what? I just remembered coastal Carolina was up next year. Uh, and that would be yeah. a fun one. They start the season with a UMass two weeks later. They play at UAB, which is a go to that. That doesn't count. A different reason. Uh, yeah, that didn't and then in, Nove- on, in November they go to Arkansas, so that would have to be a November thing. That's the only game that mm. and that's tricky. That's really tricky. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. If now if Coastal was at if Coastal was in Fayetteville like September tenth or whatever, I'll ride with that. Old Dominion at Virginia Tech uh, September twenty third. Mm, maybe okay. I'm not like in love with that. Although I I. I think I'm going up to Blacksburg in the off season now, but all right, okay. Keep selling me here. <laughs> uh, Keep selling me. Georgia State at Penn State tw- uh, on September 16th. Oof. Oh God! Actually, hold on. Um, this is good podcast. <laughs> oh, also, I'm going to go ahead and exempt like straight up. Western Michigan, Boise. Uh, yeah, too good. Houston, too good. Too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want any of that business. Uh, now, um, this one doesn't qualify for me, but if somebody wants to pose as an Idaho fan and come to the Missouri-Idaho game on October 21st next year. Heck yeah, but you, you can't. I know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I would not I'm I'm See, I'm looking right now, and I'm getting more choosy about which G5 do I want to throw my, throw my support behind. New Mexico State at Arizona State. Arizona State, the first yeah, weekend of September. Fun. Um, the time that could be pretty fun. Amazing. Let's see what UTEP's doing. 
Oh, yeah. Let, let's get miserable. Ooh, UNLV at Ohio State we, uh, September 23rd. Does I'm, that mean we... I'm marking yeah. that one. All right. I got UTEP at Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Yeah. You do. That love, feels you do depressing. Love, you do love yourself some uh, some El Paso. Well, one of these days. Um, man, this is tough. <laughs> all right, it's all right, tough to find. It's tough on, to find an. On. It's tough to find an appealing P five host and a fun G five team. I mean, I know you would think it isn't. Yeah, UTEP OU is interesting. UNLV is Ohio Marshall State too is good. Weird. Marshall uh, this year they're not too good, but that's probably too good. Yeah. Oh crap! Well, their 2017 is Miami, Ohio, NC State, Kent State, and Cincinnati. Yep. Uh, so like they're, they're they're exempt. Is there a team we want to cheer against, Bill? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure that wouldn't be other than hard, other but... than the obvious. Yeah, and I because I I have to go to Tuscaloosa for things, so I don't necessarily want to go. Um, let's find a free way to get to Boulder. Let's see. If, let's see if Colorado. I'm already I'm already in the works for that this year. Um, I know Buffalo, Texas at- State. Oh, Texas man. State, Colorado. <laughs> shout out. I know um, I know of at least, I know, shout out to Heather, and I think I have at least one other Texas State-related listener on this program. So, Bo- uh, oh, Buffalo man. at Minnesota is just. Uh, I saw that one. <laughs> All right, guys. Anyway, we've anyway. dedicated anyway. a really terrible segment to this. Uh, get, just go ahead and get your 2017. I've, I've given you the rubric, okay? The rest is up to you. The rest is up to you. I can't resist doing this. I'm just going to – let me just check UTSA schedule real fast. <laughs> Shouldn't we have to do this for UAB, Bill? Yeah, that's a completely different thing, I think. That's that's almost too obvious from a – like all of SB Nation will go to a damn UAB game at this point, I think. Yeah, it is pretty obvious. Let's see what their non-conference is next year. And then I swear to God we'll move on. It's Brett's fault. He asked a question with 35 questions in it. Uh, oh, man. The only one that would work for UAB would be November 18th at Florida. Oof. That's a little tough. Coastal Carolina. Good for them. The yeah. old Chanticleers. Yeah. All right, Bill. Bingo. Box score bingo. Quickly, because we're like at 75 minutes. This is another one that was almost too obvious. Um, but it was sneaky weird. Sneaky, crazy weird. All right. Works for me because I did not see any of this game on the, the television. I, so I watched I it am... and it was weird. And I still didn't quite expect the box score to be this weird. Uh, the okay. game uh, happened on Thursday night uh, in uh, Heinz Field in front of 40,254 fans. Uh, Virginia Tech, 39, Pitt, 36. Okay. Very, very weird game in that Virginia Tech really should have had this one sewn up early but kept settling for field goals. Uh, Pitt comes back, has a little burst of touchdowns right in the middle of the game. Um it's 16-14 at halftime, and then and then uh, Pitt goes up 21-16 early in the second half. Then it's like a, a 13-0 run for uh, Virginia Tech, and then Pitt ties again, and Virginia Tech goes up 10, and then uh, Pitt uh, scores again at the end. It was, it was back and forth. It was weird. But then the, you, you get the final stats. Um, number one is 556 yards to 458 in favor of Virginia Tech, but yards per play were 8.3 for Pitt and 6.8 for Virginia Tech. So Pitt Pitt had 8.3 yards per play uh, and lost, which is relatively hard to do in and of itself. Uh, That would make me think that a turnover got involved. uh, And you would be incorrect. Uh, 
Well, actually, not completely. Uh, it was sorry. It was plus two for Virginia Tech um, in that one. The luck, I was looking at the turnover luck thing on my on my advanced box door. That was actually about even. But the weird here's some other weird parts. Uh, Virginia Tech score or scoring opportunities. So first downs inside the opponent's forty. Pitt five. Virginia Tech eleven. Hmm. Well, also just before I jump into your advanced box score. Yeah. In total ignorance, I would also look at the like the third down conversions are terrible for both. Yep. Four of fourteen for Virginia Tech, three of ten for Pittsburgh. Um, I'm trying to th- I'm trying to figure out what happened in this game. Yeah, it was weird. This is way more fun when you do it. Um, <laughs> this is uh, I don't know if I could draw a, a strong conclusion off the traditional box score. So let's go ahead and jump into yours. So in mine. The two things that stand out in favor of Virginia Tech. Well, first of all, points per scoring opportunity. Uh, Pittsburgh was perfect. Five chances, five touchdowns. Virginia Tech, Damn. three and a half. Very below average. And that, so yeah, just in that alone, like judging by nothing but scoring opportunities, Virginia Tech should have won like 44 to 21 or something. Um, they did not. Um, but Pittsburgh the, had seven points, per oppor- seven points per opportunity? Yeah, and it was actually more than that. That's kind of an automatic calculation. They went for two, so... Um, it should have actually been like 7.1 or something. Um, but no, th- just oddities all around. And then you look at the like success rate by quarter. First quarter. Zero. First quarter, Virginia Tech 36%. Pitt, zero. Like they, they started the game, Pitt did, about as poorly as you could possibly start a game. They uh, fumble the Pitt, go, or Virginia Tech goes down and kicks a field goal. Uh, Pitt loses a, the fumble on the kick return. Virginia Tech kicks another field goal. Uh, Pitt throws an interception. Uh, they force a punt, and then uh, Pitt goes three and out, losing uh, a bunch of, like, false starting a couple of times. I, uh, this was a uh, – it, it should have been, like, 20 to nothing after the first quarter. And then when it wasn't, Pitt takes control of the game for a little while and then bombs again. Um, just a really, really, really weird game. Honest, Every category in this game was weird. I, I as I look through your box score and even hey, the one, wow, we've been it's a long podcast when the phone calls twice. Um I don't know if I could draw anything from I, I don't know if I could recreate the game from either one of these. Yeah, and no. even come close. I, I just don't see how I don't I can't build a story out of any of this. Yeah, the fact that Virginia Tech kicked six field goals, had or I should say settled for six field goals and gave up 8.3 yards per play should have completely flipped the game around to Pitt's side. Uh, and it actually did, like the win expectancy based on my stuff, um, was Pitt 68% of the time they win this game despite the number of scoring opportunities they allowed. This was just weird. This was a spectacularly weird game, and I watched it, and I knew it was weird, didn't realize it was this weird. I'm still like again. I'm trying to find something. All the numbers are so jagged that it, I can't really. Normally, it's sort of like and then so therefore, like how you build like a written right. story. That's sort of the way I look at numbers because I'm an idiot. But it's also how you establish, like when you're writing a lead for a game story. It's you know player X has a large amount of yardage or there's a dramatic play. This is a game that at least numerically without having been there and watched it, it's very hard to find a through line for, for any kind of, you know, uh, chronological story you could tell. Yeah. Um, this was this is a good way to create, like, a list of pros and cons for each team, and Virginia Tech ends up slightly longer um, in the pros column. Yeah, very slightly, because this looks like, I mean, a lot of stats here would tell me that Pittsburgh won the game. Yeah, very was, strange, Bill. Yeah, good, was, good pick. Also, don't think I don't know what you're doing. Okay, 
you picked this game on the new on the new segment that we have during the season, so I couldn't use this game against you in box score bingo oh, when we true. come back to the offseason. I thought you were going to say because you were thinking about going to that game, and then you did. I'm on to your ruse. You no, I was uh, I was thinking about going to the Virginia Tech Miami game, but um, <laughs> sanity prevailed. I don't mean that as an insult. I love Blacksburg. I just meant those teams both lost the week before, and then Miami has cratered. Um, huh, okay, before we put this box score to bed, um, I'm trying to figure out if I can learn anything personally from it this week. And obviously, we encourage you guys to go to the entry on SBNation.com for podcasting and play nobody. You can look at all these numbers yourself. Um, I think I'm just going to throw out a mulligan on this one. It's really confusing. Yeah, I, I think if you had given me this... Um, I was going to say, like, if you if you told me the scoring opportunities were 11 to 5 in favor of, you know, the purple team, the maroon team, I should say, not purple, um, I would have assumed that that team won. But you don't give me that because it's not in the box score. So I would have looked at yards per play. Um, I would have seen that that Pitt was minus two in turnovers. That would have given me pause. But I would have seen, boy, I don't know what I would have picked. Uh, Virginia Tech dominated field position. So maybe that would have swung it. It's a, It's a weird one. That's all, yeah. Field position was one that jumped out, but not enough to draw anything from. Whew, okay. 29 first downs to 17. I mean, they almost doubled them in first downs. Yeah. There's one thing, I guess. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, okay, Bill. That was a long show. It was. That's what happens when you get me in that noonday energy spot. Um, yeah, we had to make up for it. So on Sunday, like our last couple Sunday shows have been just kind of dead because I, you know, A, I had to watch Missouri on Saturday. And, you know, number one, one reason or another, we were kind of dead and, and lagging. So I was going to re- try really, really hard to pump the energy up on Sunday. Uh, and then you had to speak in and your that, NPR voice. I had the whisper the show. Uh, I had the so whisper yes, show. This was, a, this was pent up energy today. Um, so speaking of which, Sunday's show is going to be interesting. And it's probably going to be coming to you from an airport. Or like a sh- like a car rental shuttle or something like that because I'm going to be on the road doing NFL stuff, but we'll figure it out. We always do. NFL, um, NFL. God, I know. Hey, kind of feels like a job this week. What can I say? <laughs> okay, um, so you can follow me on Twitter at thirty eight Godfrey. You can follow uh, Mr. Bill Connolly uh, at SBN underscore Bill C. We will be back on Sunday, uh, probably to talk about LSU and Alabama and try and predict what really, really stupid thing that the playoff committee is going to do next. Yeah, we, um, we made it. We completely underestimated them last weekend. We will not make that mistake again. All right, we'll see you guys uh, this weekend. Yep.